Hi guys, it's Andy McDonald, physiotherapist and strength and conditioning coach, and welcome to the Informed Performance Podcast. On today's show, I have Pierre Barrow, a high-performance expert at FIFA. Pierre is a high-performance practitioner who has worked extensively across professional football, enjoying spells at LA Galaxy, the UAE Football Association, Swansea City, the USA national team, and many more. In this episode, we'll be discussing culture, trends, and coach development, especially across football. We've been getting some really kind feedback from some of you listening, and some of you kind people in our industry who are listeners have been sharing the podcast over your Instagram and Twitter feeds. So I just want to say a huge thank you to those of you that have kindly subscribed, reviewed the podcast, or even gone the extra mile to share episodes that you've enjoyed. It's greatly appreciated by myself and Ben Ashworth at Informed Performance, and it makes a big difference to the success or growth of our efforts. But without further ado, let's get into the episode and conversation between Pierre and myself. Pierre, welcome to the Informed Performance Podcast. It's uh, it's great to have you on chatting. Thanks for having me on. It's good to talk to you. Just to kick us off and to create a little bit of context, can you give us a bit of a, a background spiel as to kind of where you've come from and the route that you've taken to where you are in this current day? Yeah, I'm going to give you a lot of context, you know, because it's an interesting route. Um, so I was playing soccer. I was also playing team handball, you know, back when I was growing up in France. I became a ex uh, uh, teacher and a sport teacher pretty young at 21 years old. I was already certified. and uh, But by this time, I was coaching soccer. I was playing team handball. And then there wasn't really... I've always been interested in the field of performance and, you know, this is 22 years ago now, uh, but there was not much performance in Europe, you know, and uh, I was directed by doctors, by physio, you know, uh, in my clubs. And because I had this actually's background, I thought there was something else that I could do. Um, I was lucky that a professor at the university was, that was a pioneer in Europe, you know, in, in this field, was working with, a bunch of big clubs in Europe, including mostly in Italy. And then uh, after World Cup 98, I decided to make the jump to see uh, what was, um, you know, what was done in the US in the field of performance. I was always interested by the uh, performance of the, of the USA track athletes, you know, at the Olympics and the World Championships. I wanted to study all this. Moved to the US, was at Virginia, uh, did a, uh, already a master in uh, athletic training get involved right away with the um, strength and conditioning coach and the uh, the soccer program which UVA is a top one in the US um, and then yeah uh, then it snowballed from there I uh, spent 11 years with US soccer as um, the head of performance, which back then wasn't called head of performance, but I was a one man's band, so I was I was doing everything with a bunch of different clubs, a bunch of different teams, national teams, I should say. Um, did the same thing in the UAE for three years after that as a, an assistant coach, a head of performance, and also uh, developing the uh, some fitness coaching licenses. And then I entered the uh, the part that is the the, the regular club coach life and bouncing right and left uh, between the championship, France, the Premier League. I went back to the US in 17 as a head of performance for the Galaxy. And uh, this is uh, finished. And uh, now, you know, I'm uh, I'm considering my options and I'm also um, sit on a, on a panel of high-performance experts for FIFA. 
sounds like you've had, especially in the soccer world, you've had a you've had a hell of a varied um, professional background. A lot of different countries, a lot of different leagues. Um, from like a kind of, I guess, like a performance standpoint, if, if we're talking about kind of injuries and we're also talking about physical preparation, how have you kind of found the differences between European leagues, national teams, the MLS? How much is, how, you know, you've obviously seen probably more diversity than most people that have worked in soccer. Yeah, talk to my son about it. <laughs> He's been to too many schools on too many countries and continents. Uh, yeah, I mean, not only have I seen some differences, but I've also I've also witnessed the uh, the evolution, you know, and the growth in in some different places, and specifically, you know, uh, in America more than than, than France or England. Uh, you know, the the differences are, I mean, it's common sense. It goes down to uh, to culture, you know, like the culture, you know, what and the sports landscape in in the actual country you know where is exactly football uh in the the order of of importance um so obviously in england it's uh it's like a religion you know whether we're talking championship or um or or prem uh in the mls you know i always um to this day it's more global for sure, than when I first moved to the US that I was watching MLS games in, in Applebee's restaurant, you know, uh, when they were doing shootouts at the end. And I was like, okay, um, you know, this, this is different, you know. And now if you watch MLS, you wouldn't tell yourself this is different, you know. You have players that you probably know. You have crowds, st- stadiums, many, many more franchises. So obviously it's growing in the US, but it's still, it's still not global. Like it would be obviously in England and, and, uh, and France. Now, speaking of France, um, you know, France is not exactly a, a sport country. You know, I mean, I mean, look at what's happening now with the uh, the pandemic. And then three weeks ago, the government said, you know, France, sport is not that important. So, you know, we're going to call off the league. You wouldn't imagine this in other countries. And we see what's happening today uh, in the Bundesliga. So the difference is in terms of Everyday life, you know, when you work in football and when you do what I do in, in at the professional level, you know, are, are really similar to the differences in, in society. So in England, you know, it's it's uh, it's everywhere. You know, I mean, this is this is what people do. You're being recognized in, in the street, and you know, and they, they, they're nice. But you you also understand that you know you play a, a big role of in the everyday life in France. Not so much in the MLS. Again, it depends on uh, on markets. Uh, player profile, you know. I mean, again, when you look at all these leagues, the player profile is is obviously dis- different. And why is because you know the salaries would be would be very different. You know, I, I've coached many big players. I would say, um, uh, you know, I mean, as of late, uh, we had uh, Zlatan here. You know, had David Beckham back in the days. Um, you know, the, the, the players, they're, they're just like the, the human being, you know. Obviously, they have extreme cases with different status. But in terms of coaching them day to day, the approach is the same, whether you're in, in England, in France, or, or in the US, or in the UAE, you know. Um, you know, the, the players, they, they pros, they want to get, you know, that's their job. They want to get healthy. Uh, they want to perform. And, and some of them, not all of them, want are willing to do 
anything to uh, to reach up to uh, the potential. So um, that that part that part is the same. And that part has changed also in MLS. You know, I mean, the, the, you know, there's less and college players. There's more and more foreign players. So um, you know, now if you look at the makings of roster, it's actually pretty similar. If you're in in England or or in the in MLS, there's a lot of it's very international. It's very national. France, not so much. Uh, it's very, uh, it, it's very French. So again, you know, other than the differences when it comes to the mentalities and then, you know, the, the food taste, you know, depending on your, you know, and then the last thing I want to say is, and the most specific of, of all three here would be France again. Another reason being that there's a, there's a strong, um, French football federation mold on on mentalities and on methods and uh, um, in France because there's less uh, international coaches as well, so it's it's more uniform there. And I was lucky to uh, to go there with uh, Bob Bradley, you know, which is uh, which was an interesting situation because you know obviously I'm a French American, you know, coaching with that American, the only American guy, you know, coaching there, especially in France, you know, ever. Um, so what we were doing and me with my, you know, I'm pretty much self-made, you know, I, I was picking IDs right and left. So what I was doing was very different than, than what most of the players in France have been used to, because a lot of clubs are doing the same thing in the, in the, the area of performance. And you've been in the game, uh, football for a little while and, you know, you've enjoyed different roles at different clubs and at different levels, as we've kind of uh, mentioned. So you, you would have seen kind of trends come and go but you know now I guess as I kind of sitting on the board for FIFA especially you, you can probably step back a little bit and appraise you know what's worked and why did it work why did it not work and, and I guess where did things work or not work as well depending on environments um, as you kind of look at the the sporting landscape and let, let's stick within football what do you think we're kind of collectively doing well or, or maybe need to improve our understanding on moving forwards Mm. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I've seen, I've seen, uh, you know, I've seen uh, obviously a lot of, you know, I don't want to say trend because, you know, uh, I've seen techniques, I've seen protocols, you know, come and go, and this is this is in our uh, in our field, you know, it's it's evolving quickly. And again, I don't want to sound like a dinosaur because I'm only 48, but I started young, you know. I mean, when I when I came to the US, there was don't even don't even, uh, well, I told you there was no fitness coaches in France, so don't even picture. I mean, it was just a start in France, but here it was unheard of, and, you know, you see where we are now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, in football, we, we, we can be uh, egocentric, you know. I mean, there's a, a lot of sports are looking at the belly buttons, you know, less and less now, but before it was the case, and uh, this, this is what you know, um, football has been doing in some countries, not so much here. And this is, this is the opposite of my view on things. So me, I was coming here to study all, all, all sports, you know, I mean, the, the so-called U.S. sports and see what could be done, what could be adapted to our, to our sport of, uh, soccer. And, and I'm, I'm going to say football for the rest of the podcast. It's easier on me. <laughs> I uh, should be as well being British. I've just, I've got used to being in America saying soccer. <laughs> to yeah. My I mean, <laughs> just just disclaimer disclaimer you know this is football from now on and for all the listeners you know please understand or forgive us or 
you, you decide. Uh, yeah, so for me, the, the idea, I've never been, you know, there's a great quote by uh, Mike Ball. Mike Ball said, I'm not married to any idea, you know, I'm just, I'm just married to best practice. And this is also, this has been my approach for years, you know, and this is why I, w- I was never, I was never afraid to, uh, to pick someone somewhere else, so, something somewhere else, and then apply it to our sports. Um, so the evolution of what we've done, I mean, has been, has been, you know, nothing short of uh, extraordinary. You know, I mean, we're talking twenty years ago. There was, it was the beginning of a, uh, of the heart rate, you know, monitoring system. You know, and this is something I was really, I mean, really into uh, helping. I don't know if we can name brands, but helping D brand, you know, develop their, their, their team system. Um, and then, so now we've mastered this, you know, we've mastered this before a lot of other sports, you know, and then come the, uh, then came the, uh, the GPS, for example, you know, we were, you know, um, there's a lot of Australia has already been on top of things, you know, in, in our area, but, uh, you know, uh, soccer was uh, one of the few, or one of the first sports also to to apply it. You know, as a whole. And then, you know, if you talked about some other U.S. sports, they only they've only used them in like way way after us. So we've, you know, all all that thing is something we've done well, and something that other sports are looking at and applying. You know, what we've been developing you know whether it's technique methods you know research and 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 numbers you know i'm talking about numbers obviously <laughs> uh 10 years ago there were not as many data not as many monitoring system tracking systems so that's also you know an evolution that has been that has been uh pretty interesting to follow and to observe you know and and assimilate you know for for someone in my position um, so we've done a lot of good. I mean, let's face it. Uh, we've done a lot of good. Um, but where else can he, uh, where can he get better now? You know, I think it's, uh, you know, I always talk about the invisible training, you know, which is pretty much anything that goes on away from the training center. Uh, I, I do think this is, uh, this is where the, the, the biggest room, uh, room for improvement. Uh, lies the you know as of late i've been really interested to uh to dig deeper into the sleep uh topic uh the neuro the all the neuroscience and you know neurological you know uh, uh pathways and, and and ways to improve the uh the vision on the field and stuff like this so this is not nothing new but i think you know, the thing we need to improve are, are very closely linked to uh, the development of science, you know, period. And uh, and it's not really sport-specific, except that for us, considering we're playing on a big field, considering we don't have a roof over our head, uh, you know, um, makes for, for a pretty good setup for, uh, for, um, for s- not a science lab, you know, but uh, it's, yeah, it's not as restrictive as a as a as a hockey or, or basketball or, or or some other sports could be so so yeah and, and then again I mean now if you talked about forget about science and techniques and and technology um, I, you know if 
we have better screening system now because what 15 years ago there was no screening and then you got the RPE and then you got the uh, you know the uh, HRV technologies and all that stuff that you decide to use uh, and then you get to the AI you know um, you know we get the models you know, I don't like to use analytics because I think it's too it's too um, generic generic for for word but you know you have all this but you know there was example. I mean, there was a time when there was no KPI, you know. Now you get KPIs, and then you get too many KPIs, and then you get to prioritize KPIs. So the challenges have been, you know, constantly, you know, evolving and and shifting over the years. But to me, (laughs) the one thing that you get a master from the get-go, and this is at times something that can be improved and uh, and is not, is is, is, uh, something as simple as you... uh, as your relationship with with the head coach, you know, and uh, what's the uh, what's the dynamic between performance, uh, the performance guy, you know, whether it's a head of performance, a fitness coach, and then the head coach. What's the method of the head coach? You know, is it consistent? Uh, because that's that's going to be the most crucial part of uh, of uh, the, the biggest impact uh, that a, that a performance coach can have and. Um, on, on his players, you know, is making sure that the head coach got a consistent method, you know, covering uh, a lot of the KPIs we, we, we've talked about, uh, I mentioned before. Mm. And I suspect part of your answer for this would probably be uh, building good relationships with head coaches. But as you've kind of moved into different cultures and different teams um, that probably have different best practices at times um, as they see them, what do you think has enabled you to be successful when you join a new team and you're able to um, uh, run or develop a good performance program there? Yeah. Well, I mentioned before, you know, the Mike Boyle, the Mike Boyle uh, quote. This is, you know, one that I that I really go back to. I'm I'm open-minded. You know, I have um, I have convictions. You know, I have ideas, but again, I'm I'm, I'm flexible. You know, and when you when you move around, you know, there's always a, there's always a balance between, you know, making sure that you have things that you believe in. And it's, it's even more complicated than this because in my case, obviously have, I've done, you know, a trial and error, not too many errors, luckily, you know, so I know what I, I, I know what I value, number one, you know, and I know how, my priorities and I, and I know the methods, you know, but, but I'm always open to suggestions and, uh, and, and I know that what's true today may not be true tomorrow, even if we're dealing with the human body, which is something that attracted me in the field before, because the human body is the human body, no matter, what, no matter where you are, but you know, in each body, there's a brain and, uh, and then you get 30 bodies in front of you. You got a coaching staff, you got different dynamics, you get, you get, um, culture, you know, in, uh, in different countries, environments. So, to go back to your question, I think the first thing that I've that I've eventually done well, you know, because let's face it, I've made mistakes. You know, we all do, and, and I've made my share. Believe me. Uh, but one thing that I've that I've done well is that I've uh, I've, I've tried to study the environment. You know, that I would be uh, thrown into, um, whether it's a different country again. Um, I mean, concrete example. You know, if I one of the mistakes I've made when I moved to the UAE is I was assuming I was assuming that you know it was a um, very developed country, you know, and, and and Dubai obviously is wealthy, and and 
and I didn't research the culture enough, you know. And then, because for me, I was, I was thinking, you're gonna go there, you're gonna be with uh, the national team, and uh, and then you can have players in front of you that have one thing in mind: is qualify for the World Cup. And uh, and uh, yes, this is true. But the one thing I forgot to uh, to include in my uh, analysis is that these players were Emirates. They were not American, French, English, or you know, you name it. So there are some cultures in the country, you know, that that are very different than the one we used to. Concrete example, you know, if you're a coach and you raise your voice, then it's perceived as almost an insult because you know you just you just don't raise voices even when you're not happy. So these are the stuff that if you don't know in advance, you know, obviously you talk to people and then you you kind of you kind of you kind of adapt and you kind of figure it out. But if you know it before, then the likelihood of you being more efficient and adapting quickly, you know, is uh, is greater. And I didn't do this. I mean, again, this is not me raising my voice because that's not my position. But this is a concrete example of something that I wouldn't have guessed, you know, that I couldn't imagine and that I've been told by the coaches I was with uh, back then. So little thing like this. So that would be a number one, the Mike Ball thing, not, you know, again, being flexible, just being married to best practice and not ideas. Um, you know, using common sense. That's, I mean, I know it sounds stupid, but uh, again, uh, you got to make decisions on site. And sometimes you go with your gut, sometimes you go with your conviction, and some guys, and most of the times I try to use common sense. You have to stay humble. Okay, it's not because you go to a country that you've been to three or four World Cups that all of a sudden, you know, first of all, they probably don't even know. And if they do, and if they wouldn't know, you know, maybe it doesn't mean they would care right away. So you have to constantly um, prove yourself, you know. Um, on the same topic, you know, you... Um, the, 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 uh, the, the one thing, you know, one of the reasons why... I found myself moving across the globe like this is um, is because I've had the courage at times, you know, to uh, to go for this option, and it's not easy, you know. It's it's as you know, human nature is is uh, we all creature creatures of habits, and uh, we liked routine and and you know you, uh, you know when you in the US with the USA national team and you know it's been 12 years and you know I don't know how many games I think it's 140 you know um, and it's been a very successful decade it's not easy to say all of a sudden you know what I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and I'm going to go across the globe in a completely different country climate you know culture etc etc um, and I've done this and I've you know, it took some convincing from a lot of people, but I, I call one of my best friends in France. He's a coach in Ligue 1. And he told me, Pierre, you know what? At some point in our job, you got to be able to, it's like when you learn to swim, you got to be able to release, you know, both hands, you know, and uh, and, and go for it. And uh, and I remember the phone call. I remember like it's yesterday. And when he told me this, I hang up and I told my wife, listen, we're moving to the UAE. Uh, because before that, he didn't have the courage to take the decision. He was, he was a, too big of a decision for, for me and for us. Um, so yeah, ability to uh, to face new challenges, get out of the comfort zone. You know, uh, the willingness to uh, to let go and then face the unknown. Because let's face it, you know, you know, you don't exactly know what you're gonna what you're gonna experience. And it gets better. 
Have you done it? Obviously, this is, goes with experience. You've done it once, and then you're less afraid for the next one. I mentioned the mistake for me, and not maybe studying the uh, the UAE uh, mentality in depth. You know, so you don't make the same mistake twice. You better ready for the next one. Uh, and then again, as you as you get experience, you uh, equipped. You know, you um, you know. For me, for example, when it comes to uh, international football, you know. But I, I was very comfortable with the FIFA environment, with the World Cup qualifiers and the pressure environments because I've done it before, you know. Uh, uh, now, you know, that I, I told you I've, I've coached big players, you know, I've been to incredible atmosphere. So this is something that, you know, you you have to, you you know, it's integrated. You don't have to worry about this, you know. Uh, now that I'm 48, back when I was 28 and all of a sudden, you know, I'm on the bench in a, in a World Cup game, you know. Um, so yeah, but, but, but my best advice is, is, again, it goes back to common sense is, uh, don't be, uh, don't be a know-it-all, you know, be always open-minded, open to experience, stay on ball, and then, uh, and then, uh, make sure you're able to get challenged, you know, because if you're not, then you're probably in a, you're probably in a, in a wrong, uh, in a wrong job, and then you, you're gonna end up, you know, in the same, position for X amount of years and especially when you're young, I don't think it's the best thing to do if you really want to, if you really want to grow. Yeah. And I think you have to be open to moving because there's not many, um, I don't know many people who have kind of bounced between jobs all in the same town. I think if you want to, um, yeah, push yourself and evolve, you do have to be open to moving geographically, especially to be able to take the opportunities as few and far as they can be. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes, sometimes you have no choice. Let's face it, you know. And uh, this is um, early on. I think it's a no-brainer because guess what? You, uh, uh, you, you I just I talked to I, I talked about it for five minutes. It's, uh, I mean, the, the the positive outweighs the negatives by a mile. You know, in terms of growing as a person and and being a better coach and a better professional and and. Um, this is a no-brainer. It becomes more more complicated when, you know, obviously now you have a family. Now, you know, the, if your wife is working, you know, you have the kids, the schools. Um, that's all. That's that's very different. And now, you know, for example, in my case, again, I'm at the point where it really looks for um, a, a criteria, like the not the top criteria, but you know. Very high on my list is uh, is visibility and stability because now you think that that you've integrated a lot of different things and you want to. It's almost like you want time to uh, to implement and create your own um, you know uh, your own ideas and then for this you need uh, you need uh, some stability which is very hard to uh, to get at the professional level for various reasons. Even if the you know we're in a result-driven business, as you know, as everybody knows, but it, even sometimes when you have the result, which again I thought it was kind of my case here at the Galaxy, there's other there are others uh, elements and criteria that 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 force you to uh, to move on when you really don't want to move on and when you think you've been successful. So yeah, I, I'm at this point where you know it's. When you talk to organization, club, national team, you know, it's it's really about, you know, how much time I'm going to have, you know, can I really put something in place, develop something in place? Um, what type of vision do you have? Is it long-term, is it short-term? Because, you know, that question I don't think would have 
would have been a uh, crucial, you know, um, twenty years ago or fifty or ten years ago. But now it's it really is. You know, you've you've obviously worked in different environments, um, and you would have seen sort of a variety of the use of technology um, and uh, protocols around return to train or the monitoring of athlete readiness. As you've kind of moved around and you've seen different systems implemented, if you were to now yourself develop or implement uh, a way of monitoring or understanding player player availability, how would you kind of go about that? Or what would be your personal approach? Because obviously head coaches, crucially, they always want to know player availability um, for the technical and tactical reasons. So to kind of go into some specifics, are you able to kind of um, give us a bit of your... uh, the wealth of your knowledge on that uh well i mean in your question you say if you had to develop you know um like a system or well i, I have to i had to <laughs> and uh you know i mean to be to be clear um the the protocol you know in terms of and we go back later i mean i'm going to come back on that word protocol you know because I, I was i was a lot you know, I, I like the, the protocols a lot before, a little less now, because again, you know, uh, these, they evolve. And so my protocol, when it comes to coming back on a, on a, you know, the, the, the first training after a game and, you know, the, the first session of the week and the readiness and all these protocols um, was different on my first year with the Galaxy than my second year, and it would have been different on the third year. Uh, so why? Because of again, um, different technology, and and some of them could, you know, the aggregation of of, of uh, um, technologies that allow you to save some time. So, so to answer your question, uh, um, before when you when you were one man's band, you know, you were doing, you didn't have time to really be thorough, you know. So the the, the, the good. The, the plus of our period now is that you're allowed to have a lot of the clubs, most of them, I would say not a lot, but most of them uh, allow you to have a real, uh, a real staff, a real performance staff. So um, I like to, uh, as much as possible, dedicate one member of the staff to, uh, you mentioned return to play, it could be return to play, and, you, and, and it's part of his Part of his role will also be to uh, to oversee this um, this readiness protocol or this um, uh, return to play protocol. So, uh, in terms of to speak, you know, like day to day, you know, like we're gonna get technical about. One of the things I, I'm looking at now, early in the week, as opposed to what I was looking before and what I think we should look at maybe in the future. Um, so for me, I like to be efficient. I like to be convenient, you know, uh, and I like to um, and I like to do something that is not intrusive. And to some extent, you know, especially now, we have to come come up with solutions that are mobile because you'd be on the road. And if you want to be uh, consistent, if you want to have a real structure that you want to have, you want to use the same protocols, whether you're on the road, let's say you're on the road, on the, on the road trip with three away games and you don't come back home, you want to be able to set up 
the same thing that as you would do at the training center. So I've always looked at, uh, you know, we've always used an RPE questionnaire, you know, and the readiness to train questionnaire. What do you put in there? For me, I, I, I'm very interested in of, of the mental side. You know, I mentioned it that, you know, the body and the brain are, are two different elements. And usually, um, you know, the body control, the, the brain controls the rest. That's very, uh, very rare that it would be the opposite. Um, so I've looked, we've done the RPE questionnaire, fatigue, uh, subjective fatigue, uh, uh, subjective level of stress, uh, how was the night before, and then soreness. Um, let's say this would be the four that I, that, that I look at. Okay, these are for the subjective ones on the RPE. And then you want to double check all this with objective numbers. So you have the, you have the game data, you know, that are ready by the time you do this, by the time you do this, um, readiness to train protocol or to, or to retrain. Um, you use the heart rate a lot on that day, um, from regular heart rate resting to, uh, to something more, uh, um, Detail like the HRV, um, different, you know, whether it's the Omega Wave, first beat. I mean, you know, you know it. I like to, and these are mobile, so I like to use them on day one, especially because these are numbers that, as you can imagine, you will have accumulated over the years, including in preseason. So you have, you have baselines. All of these, all of these that you use, you know, if you don't have real baseline, then there's no need to use them because you have, then you wouldn't know what they mean. Um, uh, so, you know, it, early on, it would be like a regular, um, like kind of movement jumps, you know, uh, when you had no equipment, you know, and that would be, I mean, really exaggerate because I've never done it, but you, you evolved from having a chalk, you know, and having a, and, and putting a mark on, on, the, on the wall to now, you know, using the opto jump, you know, uh, uh, to the fourth plate, you know, so again, measuring, measuring the uh, measuring uh, the jump height to measuring hang time to measuring ground time you know uh, so over the years you've been able to in the same amount of time uh, have four measure four or five kpis when before you can only measure one and if you really want to go back it was only measure one by and it wasn't exactly uh, objective um, and again, these are, these are, you know, I'm using this you know, last year. I set up the, uh, the Kangatech device, which now, you know, it used to be the ground ball. It used to be the North board. And now, you know, like with the Kangatech, I can, I can, I can look at, um, ground squeezes, you know, uh, abdu hip abduction, abduction, and then see on very short, um, very short max isometric intensity contraction. Uh, see what the decrease is compared to, uh, to pregame and see if, uh, if the athlete is in a zone that allow him to, uh, to safely return to train or, I mean, or at least to safely apply himself to, uh, to training. Cause that, that's two different things, you know, and this is the discussion you have with the coaches. Is it for him to safe to train? Most of the time it is. Let's say 99% of the time, you know, you would think that, uh, you know, if, if a guy has played a game, in a recent time, then is able to exercise or play football in a controlled matters, you know, uh, 
24, 48, or 36 hours later, or, you know, it doesn't matter. But the question is, you know, is he in a position to, um, to apply himself and to make, to make this training relevant? That's more the topic that, for me, is of importance when you come to this um, uh, early in the week, you know, discussion that you have with head coaches is how you, how do you position that, that player to be in, in a mental state that we, uh, that we, you know, maximize chances to be good on the weekend. Um, so, yeah, I hope I answer your question, but uh, again, it's, for me, I'm looking at the objective ones would be uh, hang time, you know, uh, hip abduction, abduction, you know, uh, contraction, you know, isometric contraction numbers. Uh, and then obviously the HRV and then the RP. No, I thought it'd be a good topic to hit with you because, you know, earlier on you mentioned the kind of uh, the importance of having a good relationship with the head coach. And I think one of mm-hmm. the things head coaches are always going to care about the most is is player availability logically. So I thought in terms of kind of digging into some specific performance questions, I thought that would be a nice logical one to... Yeah. to follow on with the, the significance of the, the head coach relationship. And, you know, that's, and again, in player availability, availability are we talking about uh, availability early in the week or during the weekend? You know, it's two different things. You know, are we talking about them being uh, hurt or not? That's easy. Or them being, you know, at 90% or, uh, or 50%. So, you know, these are like, the, the the human side of things that you know this is not really taught at universities and this has to be uh, these are decisions you make on site this you know depending on what the head coach wants um, you know I mean I can name you five six seven models of periodization you know over the next uh, over the next two minutes uh, which one is the best I don't know so these are the decisions you know I mean I get this great I'm using this great quote also from a from uh, when you talk about AI and and, uh, and and modeling, you know, I mean, I always go by by this quote who says, uh, like, all the models are wrong, and some are useful, and uh, and that's you know, it's not me saying it. It's a famous uh, sociologist, you know, back uh, you know, thirty years ago, but he's correct, you know. So you have to uh, you have to um, pick your battles and and pick what you believe in and. And, and then stick to it, knowing that this could be, you know, what's true today may not be true uh, for the next season. The, the, the coaches, they don't have much time for RPE, uh, HRV, uh, you know, and, and, and counter movement jumps and all that, all that stuff. They want, they want uh, sometimes players on the day and uh, most of the time they want players on the weekend. And uh, so that's, you know, that, that's, where, that's where I think our, our job is, is fascinating because it's, um, you know, I have a UEFA A license, so which that's also an advice that I have with coaches in my in my field is that to have to have a um, a good understanding of a head coach psyche, you know, of what you know the you know you got to to be able to put yourself in his shoes. You have to understand the sports number one, and you have to not you have to, but it's it's a thousand times better in my mind to have sat on the bench to have been in this position before, you know, and that would, that would, you know, give you such great tools um, to understand why they decide uh, the thing they, they do at times or, 
or you know what they tell you because if you're not I've had many people in my staff telling me what the fuck I mean how come you know this and I said listen why I'm going to tell you why because this this and this and that so um, you know again you you if you uh, if you've been a quote unquote technical coach or regular coach or if you're qualified in this area to some extent because we're not as qualified as them because in my in my case I made that conscious decision to tilt towards the uh, the physical side of things because I thought I could control so many you know so many more things that you know a regular coach can I only I was dealing with individuals with the human body, you know, as opposed to dealing with wind, referees, tactics, and all that stuff. So I thought that the controllable was so, so much better on my end. And, uh, but again, you have to understand w- what is about, you know, what's, you know, it's all our jobs are at stake, you know, let's face it, not only years, you know. And uh, so we're on the same boat from that standpoint, but still for him, you know, his priorities are not the same, you know, his priorities are not the, uh, the, um, all the KPIs we're collecting, you know, on the field in the gym, you know, his priorities are to win and, you know, to, to, <laughs> to, to be crude, you know, he doesn't give a shit about the rest and, and you have to be able to understand, respect that and, and, and make sure that, um, you know, you, this is, this is something that you have to integrate. If you don't, then again, you gotta, you gotta do something different. Mm. You touched upon it in some of your earlier comments about, you know, whether universities actually prepare coaches for the realities of what they're about to face and implementing their kind of perfect sciences. Um, and the last thing I wanted to, this is perfect, because the last thing I wanted to discuss with you was, um, was coach education or coach development. And, you know, I know you've been involved in putting together a fitness coach license uh, in the football world. Do you kind of have any more plans to, uh, to develop educational systems or take on educational roles in the future? Uh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, I've always been that I've always had this. First of all, I started by, I think, you know, I mentioned it already, you know, that I've, that I was teaching ex fees and, and sports at the, the high school and university level, you know, at the, at the young age of sports in, in, in my life. And, um, this is why I came to a realization that, you know, I, I didn't want to do this. Uh, for for my for one for one full life, you know, and not doing the rest, and I and I and I made the jump to sports. So I've I've kept that everything that I learned um, uh, before I became a, a teacher. You know, I kept that side of things, and and I think it's helped me. Tr- it's 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 helped me tremendously when it came when it comes to coaching. I you know you have to be able to get a feel for who's in front of you and. Some players are going to respond to uh, to harsh words, you know. Some players, are, and then it could be harsh words in front of the group, or it could be harsh words behind closed doors. Some players would respond by, uh, you know, someone putting his arm around, you know, their their shoulder. You know, some players are going to be um, clicking when they see a screen with the number, with the numbers of the curves, you know, and then. Some players would have to be compared to the rest of the team on that screen. Some players, you know, just have to see their numbers, and because they can, they can own it, and uh, and they know what I mean. So you get my point. It's very different, and and that's that goes back to uh, that goes down to teaching. 
I've put these uh, coaching licenses curriculum in a few different federations, um, and I've been a, a FIFA physical instructors, you know, for for seven years now. So yes, um, I'm interested in this because I think we are at the point now where you know, I mean, you come from England, so you know, in England, there's a lot of university programs, and and you know, like. Uh, yeah, and uh, so the U.S. is not at that point yet. France, I was talking last night to a friend of mine which uh, has developed this um, university diploma, but it's aside from a regular master's. You know, it's really three weeks long and it's, and it's specific to football and it's, they, put the, they put the really practical, you know, it's hands-on and they put the, uh, the, uh, the, students, the students on site and... Uh, and uh, this is also something that you know we don't have in the US. So um, I'm really interested in being part of the some of the masters uh, program, whether it's sports science, health, uh, kinesiology that we have here, because I've noticed over the years that there is room for improvement for uh, some of the uh, the intern or the assistant that we that you know have been getting. Um, that come from this kind of uh, uh, academical knowledge, you know, environment. At times, I've noticed that they lack the, uh, you know, I mentioned common sense before, uh, they lack the, um, again, it goes back to experience, the concept of sports team staff dynamics, meaning, they get thrown into as an intern. Uh, they have six years worth of knowledge. Most of the time, almost all the time, very, very respectable and you know, and high level knowledge. You know, uh, but what they don't have is how do I apply it? You know, how, do, when do I apply it? With who? You know, how can I pick my battles? How can I deal with? This guy, as opposed to this guy. So to go back, Van Gambetta wrote an article like uh, two weeks ago. They said, at the end, of, at the end of all this, can you coach? And that's and that's the big question that is not answered, you know, unless you uh, you've been thrown, you know, in a in a fire. Can you coach? And I think they can be better prepared for what the reality is, you know. Um, practical example, I. I've had players that, uh, no, interns, sorry, uh, interns or assistants that were so eager to be part of, and they, all, I mean, almost every time they mean well, you know, let's, let's be clear, you know, they, they think, they think they can, they can help. They think they have really something to offer, which they do. And they get over enthusiastic at times and they end up being counterproductive. I've had players that were trying so hard to, not players, sorry again, I've had staff members that were trying so hard to fit in, you know, that, you know, some, the players, the players are smart, they figure it out, you know, and then um, by trying to do too well, you end up being, you know, not helping your cause and not helping the team cause because, you know, you're not a player, you're not a player, you're a staff member. You know, uh, number one. You know, sometimes the age also is 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 close, so it's it's hard. And and again, it's 
it's it's not being done by design. It's just that you you don't know you don't know what a team is. You know you don't know that in teams there are hierarchies. You know there are um, you know um, you don't deal with a Zlatan like you would deal with with a uh, who's been in all these big clubs in the world who's got his own um, performance like you know coach or member or however you want to call it in his staff you don't deal with him the same that you would deal with someone coming out of a uh, of a NCAA draft you know and um, and again the other thing is that when you when you come out of universities you have listen you've been trained you've been drilled and you've you come with strong opinions you know and you have to realize that uh what you do is is a is a small what I do and and by definition what an assistant or an intern would do is a small part of the puzzle. I think that at times they they uh, they com- they completely blocked block that uh, that aspects of things and they think that if they don't do what they really want to do then it's going to affect the result on a Saturday no matter what they think short term because they eager to they eager to um, they eager to help they eager to prove they eager to work. And that has to be um, that has to change. I think that is well, at least that has to be taken care of. That has to be uh, being exposed to them. What I'm telling you right now, you know, um, needs to be addressed before they get to in this position. And because I don't think it's the case right now, and it's and it's a and it's a, it's a weakness of all these uh, these uh, these programs. And it's hard to know, it's hard to be experienced if you're not experienced <laughs> by definition. But at least you can prepare yourself for, for what the real um, dynamics, you know, uh, look like. Yeah, I think it's, the, it's the, the setting of expectations, I think, that um, is hard to implement in, edu- in an educational system. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the things that's, that's really critical for that smooth transition into uh, a chaotic sports environment from a, a yeah. textbook environment. That's correct, and then you know you, you know you you may end up with a, a head of performance that's going to rock you one day, you know, a head coach, you know, that is going to say, you know, that is going to challenge you, you know. Um, I'm not sure they're ready for that, you know. I'm not sure they uh, because you 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 come from a very polished environment where there is a clear hierarchy and and you know and it's, you're not going to have a. A professor giving you a lecture, you know, is not gonna is not gonna address you, you know, the way a head coach on a bad day is gonna talk to you if you're the young intern out there, you know, and if you don't have the head of performance to be uh, to be in between or being uh, being you, uh, you know, it's almost like you have the the prosecutor and then the public defendant. So uh, so these are you know as a young coach, you know, I mentioned Bob Bradley before, you know, Bob is is, is the best, the best I've been around, no question about it, you know. And and Bob, ability and uh, I would say unique um, trait of personality is going to sit you down, you know. He's going to look at you eye to eye with his like light blue eyes, and then he's going to tell you, you know, hey, you know, what is going on here, you know. And um, and then you have to, if it happens to you, or if you're a player, staff member, or anyone, you get a you're not used to so it's surprising to start with and then you said yeah let's go let's let's discuss it you know um again you have this is this is not easy to deal with if, if you uh if this is something you're not suspecting 
So, I mean, I remember my I, I remember my uh, my steep learning curve at getting rocked, as you phrased it, by a team coach. Where I, I was twenty years old, in uh, went to a rugby team to meet up with the head of strength and conditioning purely to um, get some advice on the profession. And while I was there, the the SNC coach, the head of the department, said we've got an internship here if you're interested. And I was like, yeah, of course, you know, what do I have to do? And then five minutes later, I find myself in front of the head of the, the whole, the whole team, the, the team coach and manager, um, being grilled and interviewed on the spot. I'm prepared. And, um, yeah, it's a steep learning curve, but it, it immediately threw me in at the deep end to kind of tackle those, um, hard conversations, being challenged, um, I think, I think, yeah, I mean, I did things that, that a different way around to a lot of people whereby, you know, others have done sports science degrees and internships. I kind of just went straight into the deep end. But, um, yeah, you definitely do get challenged and you, d- you don't know what conversation is going to hit you every day when you go into a team environment. Yeah, and the actual, you know, the actual, uh, you know, you had lucky was just a coach, you know. I mean, I don't know if, if the whole team was, uh, I'm assuming the whole team wasn't, you know, witnessing this conversation. But at times, you know, it could be, you know, it could be more something more dramatic than this. You know, it should be. It could be the coach. You know, because for him, you know, it's, or it's, you know, none of his, none of his worries. You know, he could imagine if he, if the young guy out there, and then he gets, he gets in there, and then he has got a tough conversation. You know, in a gym or in a training room or even on the field. You know, because one player says something, and maybe sometimes the coaches that. You know, not some. I mean, it's not common, but you know, I'm going extreme here. He's siding with one players, and he's just, yeah, he just gets after you in front of the group. This leaves some uh, scars, you know. <laughs> if if you're young and then you're full of you're full of certainties, and then all of a sudden it's just like your whole your whole world crumble, and and it's a whole new uh, paradigm, you know. So you gotta again. This is these are this is the spectrum of the the possibilities, and and make sure that. You're aware of this because if if he ever hands up, then you you kind of have anticipated. I don't think it's been uh, it's being uh, anticipated at all. So okay, yeah. I think we're Pierre. I think we're on the clock there, but I really appreciate the the chat and your time coming on today. It's been a really good conversation where I think uh, definitely for myself and I think a lot of listeners will uh, appreciate the sort of benefits of your. Um, your journey and the sort of pragmatic insights that you've shared along the way um, with yeah, us today. Well, so thank you for coming on. Yeah, appreciate it. You know, uh, I'm always uh, I'm always willing and able and available to uh, to talk uh, talk football and and especially performance in football. So thank you very much. And before you go, where's the best place for people to follow you and kind of track what you're up to? Uh, actually, um, you know, actually. Um, I mean, I use Twitter, you know, but it's it's been political lately. So, but you know, they can they can reach me out on Twitter. It's it's at Pierre Barrieux, and uh, and yeah, I got my email address. It's uh, first name initial with the last name at aol dot com. So, um, like I said, it's we're a big family and community. So, it's, I'm always open for advice and and discussion and dialogues and and anything else. Fantastic, cool. Well, we'll we'll link that in the show notes. And again. Um, thank you very much for coming on the show today. I'd like to thank Pierre for coming on today's show. He's an incredibly experienced and interesting practitioner, not only technically and experientially, but you'd be hard pushed to find many people with that same level of cultural diversity in their career. 
No doubt his services will be in high demand and I look forward to seeing where his career takes him next. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks again to those of you who have shared the episodes that you've enjoyed over your social media. If you're tuning in regularly and you can only spare two seconds, I simply ask that you rate the podcast on iTunes or on your preferred podcast player. We're trying to grow the Informed Performance podcast to be able to expand and improve the quality of what we do. Your support in terms of sharing, rating and leaving reviews is exactly what drives that process. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Keep a lookout for our next few episodes because we'll be interviewing Scott Epsley from the Philadelphia 76ers, Duncan French from the UFC and some other world-class professionals. But for now, thanks for listening to the Informed Performance podcast.